every time it would be fun, it would also be a little eerie. And it, there would be these looming questions of, are these people actually mentally unstable? Maybe, maybe the problem for me was that I identified a lot with his character at the beginning of the film. It, I, I think it is an acquired taste, but I thought it tasted delicious. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 311 with a review of Frank. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases that are coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, I have no clue if this movie is coming to a theater near you, though, because uh, I know for <laughs> me, it was playing in like one theater anywhere close to me. And it was a theater that shows one movie at a time. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming for you guys, it, and, you know, being in L.A. and San Francisco, that you had plenty of options of where to see Frank. Uh, I was only playing at one theater near me last weekend. Now it's kind of at a couple more theaters, though. Yeah, I wouldn't say uh-huh. plenty. Last weekend, it was also there was only one in the city that was playing it. Um, one that was particularly hard for me to find because it's in a strip mall that spans like five blocks. <laughs> <laughs> and they're too cool was to have a directory that just says movies. You need to like, you know, <laughs> you need to know exactly what to search for. I ranted to Chris about this last week. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just like remembering that you and I had this conversation <laughs> yeah. because I had the similar problem that Street View had a semi in front of the theater I was looking for, <laughs> so I couldn't find my theater either. <laughs> but it, it, I think it would have been such that if this theater didn't play it, another one of the theaters would have had it around. So it, it was still well, only like five minutes from my house. They only have so many copies of the film, so they have to like, yeah, share it, they have to pass pass it between theaters. <laughs> but no, this week I think a lot more people are playing it. Yeah, as I said before we started recording, uh, you know, Fassbender appeared on Colbert Report last week, and like he said the movie was, or Colbert said that the movie was going nationwide this past weekend, so I was like, huh, that's weird, because nationwide usually includes me you know i'm in the nation mm-hmm. <laughs> it includes like a, a regal theater or two yeah yeah i would think so but yeah anyway well, i guess I, they mean like nationwide uh in the biggest market they, they just don't want to yeah. give the movie to a big corporate sellout you know they need to remain true to themselves <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, dude, they, they gotta say india yeah. they're, not, they're not trying to sell car insurance yeah <laughs> no <laughs> Nationwide is on your side. All right, well, I think, uh, Carson, you had some story to start this episode off with. Oh, well, because we were talking about uh, Domhnall Gleeson because he was also in uh, Calvary. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, after I saw Frank, I was like, how do you really pronounce his first name? Because it's spelled very interestingly. And um, according to the Domhnall Gleeson tumblr unofficial tumblr page fan page that i (laughs) found official so someone else made this it's an unofficial fan fan page on tumblr is he Uh, really big enough to not have his own tumblr dude this girl was all over him man (laughs) (laughs) she was ready to to jump his bones if he was on the street um but yeah she that girl's name was carson patrick (laughs) exactly (laughs) um uh, yeah, no, anyway, they said that it's pronounced Donald, D-O-N-A-L, Donald, so there okay. you go. Donald Gleason. Okay, just a silent M-H, that's normal. Yeah, totally <laughs> normal. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, when you read it the way it's spelled, but then do it in an accent, it comes out sounding like Donald. P- probably, yeah. I think I need to hear evidence of this, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to try okay. to do it. <laughs> I was like, "Are you baiting me?" I'm, I'm baiting you a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've just, every every time I try to do, there, there's only two accents I can do, and it's never when I'm intending to do it. Every accent I try to do always divulges, or not. Di- I don't always say divulges. It always basically like decays into either Jewish or Transylvanian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should also say I had a sort of a Donald Gleason marathon on Sunday. In that oh. I watched Frank, and then I came home and immediately watched the last Harry Potter movie, which I had never seen. So, oh. 
So wait, part wait, two or yeah, both part parts? Two. Part two. Okay. So it wasn't much of a marathon, but I had not realized that he was going to be in both movies. <laughs> mm. So hold on. So, so you had watched part one of Harry Potter yeah. and you waited until now to finish so I, I had, Yeah, whoa. I had read the book, so it's not like any movie was mm. particularly oh, okay. going gotcha. to be surprising or making me want to see the next one. Uh, uh, that's, I guess that's true. And I kind of, I felt like the movies were losing steam in my mind or at least i was getting a little more frustrated with them around like film five or six when rotten Mm. tomatoes and the whole world decided like oh half-blood prince is going to be amazing we're going to give it like a 92 or something yeah Um, and so yeah i kind of struck back but then recently people told me that the last film was quite a bit better than most of them so i should give it a shot if you stick with it the 25th film is really good yeah i'm sure (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for their prequel of the prequel of the encyclopedia of weird animals <laughs> or whatever. Of some random book that was in the first book. <laughs> whatever she's doing next. I think it's yes. beasts and something about where to find them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what's his name? David Yates, who directed like movies five through seven or five through eight, seven point five, whatever. Uh, he's coming back to do the spinoff of that. Oh, good. So he's probably like, yeah, they probably like... Do you want to do this? No, I'm done with Harry Potter. <laughs> then they then they slid a check across yeah. the table, and he's like, "All right, yeah, okay." Do you want to do this? Hold on, let me check my bank balance. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I do not have that many zeros yet. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'll do the spinoff of this. Anyway, book. oh, and I also that night listened to the soundtrack of About Time, so it really was a Donald Gleason type of day. Very nice. Is he on the soundtrack? I don't think so, but it reminded oh, okay. me of him, <laughs> him, him being that in the movie. That would have been good, though. Yeah. But, but when He's he listened playing to the it, keyboard. when he listened to it, he sat laid back with his eyes closed and just pictured him. Yeah, exactly. I really just wanted to get in the Donald Gleason mood, you know? Yeah. Actually, I, knowing, knowing Steven, I'm sure that while the soundtrack was playing, he went into a closet and just stood there clenching his fists I, and listened to the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went in a closet under the stairs where my stepfather and stepmother are keeping me. <laughs> right, yeah. I clenched my fist. And yep. then when I returned, then it was 20 years earlier. Yep. Right. And then, and then yelled, uh, uh, <laughs> diagonally and accidentally appeared in the neighboring club. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, anyways. I hear that's how Donald Gleason got prepared for uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Is he in that? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> he's I, he's going to be playing somebody. Nobody knows who's playing who, but you know, well, I'm glad he's in a big major uh picture. I mean, it's about time. As <laughs> <laughs> me giving the clap. All right. Well, frankly, we should probably get on with this podcast. Mm. Mm. Good one. Good um, one. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, what do you say we take a listen to the trailer for the movie Frank and then come back and give everybody our review? I say tell everyone everything. Why cover anything up? Right? How to describe Frank? One, two, three, four! Well, there's the head, of course. He never takes it off. You think it's weird? Would it help if I said my facial expressions out loud? Welcoming smile. Delighted look. But what goes on inside the head inside that head? I find this inspiring. Is music. People should know about you. You should be famous. Flattered grin, followed by a bashful half-smile. Stop saying your facial expressions out loud. It's extremely annoying. You've been offered a really important gig. South by Southwest, in Texas. People are interested in us. We could be big. What game are you playing? Filling Frank's head with these ideas. I can't hear you over the sound of the bubbles. Someone needs to punch you in the face. Here we go. It's gonna be huge! You gotta come see us tomorrow night. I promise we'll be battling. Frank's not okay. Frank, come back! With all his issues, 100% sanest cat I've ever met. Okay. The head. Take it off. I have a certificate. My most likable song ever. 
Coca-Cola, lipstick ring, go dance all night, dance all night. Kiss me, just kiss me, kiss me, Nefertiti. This is your most likable song ever? Yeah. People will love it. Okay, you just listened to the trailer for the movie Frank. Uh, basically, there's this, uh, you know, our, our friend uh, Donald Gleason, however you pronounce it. Um, you know, he, he he's really into music, uh, but maybe not as talented as he would like to be. And one day he accidentally gets kind of hooked up with this band. And the lead singer is a man wearing a paper mache head. And uh, this is the story of him kind of hanging out with this band as he gets kind of like roped into being their new keyboardist. And uh, the events that uh, follow surrounding this group and uh, Donald Gleason getting together. So, Carson, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of this movie? Uh, well, Frank is a film that uh, is a very good film, in my opinion. I think it has all of the it has all of the ingredients for a movie of my liking. Um, <laughs> So how many piles of coke would you give this movie? Uh, I'd give it at least a 9.5. Um, <laughs> no, but I think that, uh, you know, it, I, I think it is an acquired taste, but I thought it tasted delicious because <laughs> Frank is an amazing film and um, it combines a lot of dark themes with a lot of really funny stuff. And um, it just has a really odd... Um, sensibility about it and um it's weird because this movie is based on a true story but the advertising for the movie didn't say you know it's weird because you'd think that they would say like at least inspired by a true story or true events or something like every movie that is somewhat based in truth uh exploits but um yeah it's interesting that this guy, like, there was a a, a British, uh, like, comic performer who actually had this band, and um, the guy, John Ronson, who wrote an article and who co-wrote this movie, um, basically was the Donald Gleason character in this film and, like, could kind of play the keyboard and, like, kind of fell into joining this band. And obviously it took place, like, back in the day, and they've updated the film to... Uh, present day and they've changed a lot of things but i just thought it was interesting that uh i don't know that the story of this guy who's just like such a eccentric and they i I guess they combined a lot of things like with um like daniel johnston and some other uh characters that i read are real life people uh to create the movie version of frank and uh yeah frank is definitely an odd character. Um, but I think Michael Fassbender's performance is definitely like probably like my favorite performance this year. Like it's the most like balls out funny performance. <laughs> like you just wouldn't necessarily, I mean, Michael Fassbender is a terrific actor, but he hasn't really done comedy, um, so far. And like, he's really, really funny in this. And the fact that he's, pretty much in the mask um the entire film um it's pretty pretty awesome and just like everyone in the movie donald gleason obviously uh uh the, the you know the the new that guy scoot mcnary uh, also very funny as like their mentally unstable was he like the manager or like he was like the old keyboardist yeah, I, who, I think yeah. he's the manager at this point <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but then Maggie Gyllenhaal is really good and, uh, yeah, they're, they're just such weird characters and they're all coming together, uh, and creating this, uh, this, this really weird band. Um, and I think it's, it's very well directed. Uh, the guy who did this movie also did a film called, uh, What Richard Did, which seems I've, I've mentioned that movie a lot of times on this podcast, but, uh, that film was like very dark and dramatic and it's weird that you know he shifted over to a movie that has a little more humor still pretty dark and dramatic but uh more humor for sure but uh it definitely has like a uh a weird sort of cultish vibe like you know in a couple years it'll probably collect a following i don't know it ha- it has that sort of feeling toward it 
um, I really enjoyed it. I think that it's it's constantly surprising. Like when you watch it, you really have no idea where it's going to go, and I think that's what's refreshing about it. Um, yeah, it's overall it's a very entertaining film, and I think even if you are sort of I can't I can't think of the word. If you're sort of like I guess apprehensive toward uh, like weird shit, I don't know, like the thing where you're like, mm, that might not be for me. I think you should still give it a shot because you might find stuff in it that you would like. All right, Steven? Yeah, yeah, I would. So the first thing I have to say is I don't think this movie was necessarily advertised correctly. Um, I, I think the, the trailers <laughs> for it true. made it seem like just a, a quirky character study of Frank, like it was going to be almost famous, but with a guy with a jack-in-the-box head on his shoulders, um, <laughs> where, you know, you're going to watch, like, their ascend to fame, where this nobody gets to join them and gets enveloped in this wacky world and yeah. learn something at the end. Like, you you expect the movie to convince you of the genius of the main character and then follow kind of the normal, like, rise and fall in popularity of a band um and instead the movie was much more of an open-ended look at like what makes art art uh the danger of being too commercial too people pleasing and above all i think as much as like frank definitely shines in this movie it's more the story of a real guy john learning that he isn't actually good at what he wants to be good at (laughs) which is a pretty interesting thing like it's not that often that you see a movie where the main character is motivated and then it like is basically learning that this is not what he's cut out for um yeah i mean i think i i don't know there are a lot of interesting themes that they go on here like uh like by focusing on just being popular uh I really want to throw an M in his name. <laughs> Donald Gleason is, he's terrible in obvious ways. Like from the very beginning, he's tweeting to sort of like lie or cover up for a very non-romanticized life that he's actually living. But he's trying to like tell this drama as if he's doing this amazing thing. Um, but I think like uh, musically, it's even more ballsy because I don't think most of the audience is going to listen to Frank and the band and think these are geniuses, necessarily. <laughs> um, the, the movie certainly does not try to convince anyone who would not otherwise no. have been convinced of that. And they would probably, the audience would be inclined to agree with John's character in parts that, like, making things a little more melodic, a little less crazy, would be good for the band. It would lead to a bigger audience. But then it kind of defies this by when he finally gets his chance to make things more melodic and people-pleasing, he becomes, like... Like the girl with the ukulele in the diner, like this empty kind of vapid. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's very clear that like whether or not the band and Frank are good or geniuses, they're at least sincere. And this guy is not sincere. And I, and I thought that was kind of an interesting direction uh, that they took. I mean, I think so. Fassbender was, of course, like amazing in this movie, he, even though he was basically just miming most of <laughs> most of the movie. Like... <laughs> I, I assume he was recording around the same time as he was walking around and doing stuff. But, you know, it, it, it's almost more of like a uh, he played Andy Circus and he played a voice actor at the same time in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he made a joke when he was on Colbert Report about like saying like uh, Colbert asked him like, oh, is like, is it harder doing a movie like this? He's like, no, it's great. I only have to show up for like 10 minutes a day. <laughs> like, he was joking that they could just have like a stunt guy do the entire movie. He could just show up at the end to deliver his four lines. Yeah. And I mean, so Donald Gleason was good, but you know, his role was meant to be more of like a kind of shallow self-deprecating character to begin with. So he, he wasn't exactly like, I won't say he plumbed the depths of emotion in this movie or anything. Uh, <laughs> I personally didn't quite understand the Maggie Gyllenhaal character. Like, I, I thought all the side characters were were very good at playing unique, quirky people, but they felt more just quirky and a little less like like there was something deeper beneath them. Um, but yeah, I, so I was surprised by... it. It looked like it was going to be a quirky movie, but quirky in a very different way than it wound up. Like, it wound up being much more of a dark quirkiness. Like, uh, 
uh, every time it would be fun, it would also be a little eerie. And it, there would be these looming questions of, are these people actually mentally unstable? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. like this could, this seems very romantic when I write it down and put it on YouTube or something. But uh, in reality, the things that these characters are dealing with, there's quite a bit deeper than that. And, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, I would definitely, to anyone who liked it, I would recommend uh, The Devil and Daniel Johnston. is a documentary about who I think this movie was more based on. Like, so yeah. Frank, the English guy, wore a mask. Like, he wore that head, but he was like a comedian, sort of. Uh, yeah, he had like a family too. Like I, he didn't have like severe yeah. mental problems. <laughs> Whereas there are musicians like Daniel Johnston who have been around for a while who are like seriously schizophrenic, like <laughs> mentally yeah. unstable. And it's very I don't I don't know. I think the movie it tapped into another interesting thing that it opens up is the idea of by enjoying and being entertained by people like this are you encouraging their illness or are you like seeing the bright side i, I don't know there, there's a lot of very interesting kind of dark things that you can come to from this movie uh but overall i i liked it a lot i just thought it was uh its trailers did not do it any justice i don't think um i never i never saw the trailer so i i'm curious i should go back and see how they i i really how they cut i really it. think the trailers made it look like it would just be an offbeat comedy of this wacky guy <laughs> like la, da, 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 look at me i'm frank they're, and instead it's much uh they're hiding all the darkness like, like frank is like deeply deeply sincere every time you hear from him he's like he's unstable and he's emotional and he like wants to be loved and he listens to people's advice he it, it's not just the like the goofball genius that uh that i think the trailer makes it look like yeah uh chris what did you think well, it, it you know your comments on the trailer. It, it, it's kind of interesting because um, I I watched. I'm pretty sure I watched a trailer like long ago, um, or maybe I just saw parts of a trailer at some point in time. Um, but I kind of because you said the trailer sold it as um, Donald Gleason uh, getting hooked up with this band and like showing the the guy from the outside getting in with this group and like their rise to fame like that's what you said that it it kind of sold yeah that, that's what i imagined anyway all right and and just so everybody knows i put in the trailer audio after the episode so us talking about the trailer we didn't just watch it so yeah, if <laughs> we're talking about if we're talking about the trailer in a way that makes it sound like we didn't just watch the trailer it's because we <laughs> we literally didn't but um anyways going to the movie i didn't remember that from whatever advertising i saw for this film i just kind of knew frank wears this head and like it's gonna be weird um so i was kind of expecting a film that was all about frank and i kind of got like the reverse experience because as soon as the film started i realized that that frank isn't technically the main character we are watching a film that is through the eyes of somebody on the outside being brought into frank's world and you know how he's affecting that and and that sort of, like, in, instead of me, like, you kind of got what you thought that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird, because I was expecting what you found from the film, but got what you say the trailer sells, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> like, I, I think we sort of, because, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with this film, but by the end, ultimately, I, it wasn't one that resonated with me that crazily because um i kind of walked out of the theater with the impression of like why did this film need to be told <laughs> like I, I i didn't get the the real um i don't know like i i didn't see in what was presented what the filmmaker saw when they decided to do the project um because it, it feels just a lot of like you know like th there's there's some you know the end when you kind of find out more about Frank and who he is and and uh, and uh, what is behind him wearing the head and doing all that kind of stuff, yeah, th there's some poignant stuff there and it's it's interesting and it kind of reflavors how you viewed the past of the film. And if I look back on the film and kind of concentrate on that, um, it is really interesting and there's a lot you can unpack and talk about there. But I think for me, um, I mean, I, I, I sent you guys, uh, you know, a picture of what I did to my old room before we started recording. And like, I, I identified a lot with the Donald Gleason character because like, I, 
you know, I grew up very musically inclined. I like playing music, um, but I'm not like <laughs> all that proficient at it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I've written some terrible songs over the years uh, that, um, you know, aren't great. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're songs that you would lay an egg while, while playing, but, um, <laughs> which for people who have seen the film, that's, you know, that, that's how you know it's a shitty song. <laughs> did, did you walk around with your moleskin notebook and try to come up with lyrics? Uh, I have very many moleskin notebooks <laughs> in my room. Um, but anyway, so like I, I saw this interesting of like this guy who can't do it on his own, but gets thrust into this weird, crazy band that he's like like completely it's almost like he's like fallen into the chocolate factory of music and like he's like oh if i just hang out with willy wonka long enough like we're gonna be famous and, and it's kind of a view of <laughs> of like the film i was really interested in the idea of like him trying to bring, bring this band that he thinks is awesome to the masses and in so doing that do and in doing so possibly <laughs> destroying what makes that band so awesome mm-hmm. and that was really cool but then like by the end of the film you realize that like no this is really not about him at all this is just the short period of time he was with the band and able to discover some things about it and you realize that that frank is the main character of the film and i think frank doesn't get enough of an arc so it's like the 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 story is about a character who doesn't go through a whole lot in the film it's just a it's this is all about the perspective we view of frank and by the end, the character who we are watching the perspective of, like, he sort of just removes himself from the story. And there's no, like, the, the arcs don't kind of blend together at all. It's almost like two separate stories, and we're just viewing... It's almost like there's two characters with their own complete separate stories who both board the same train, and we're watching this ride that they're on. And then when it reaches its destination, they both sort of go their own way. And there's not, like, a... I don't, I don't feel a real follow-up to understanding... Like, I don't feel that, like, Donald Gleason changes at all through his experience with Frank, other, other than realizing that maybe he should just stop <laughs> trying to be part of the band. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, I, I mean, it's a little hard to unpack the themes too heavily without, you know... I already don't know if this is the kind of movie where spoilers are that important or possible. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I did definitely get the sense that his arc... His arc was all about how he would see someone like Frank. Like he he has this kind of deep-seated belief that there's some mystery that creates a genius that makes someone behave a certain way. And he's yeah. like so focused yeah. on the the superficial or the aura surrounding a person. And then I would say by the end, he is sort of learning, no, it's actually not an aura. All all these other things that I think are important aren't what are important. Like at the core, some people are good and some people are not good. Um, yeah. So I, I actually thought the evolution of Frank in his eyes is precisely what he's learning as a character. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, do, I definitely get what you're saying. It didn't just commit to one arc. Like there are times where it seems to be about him and there's a time where it seems to be all about Frank. And, like, Frank definitely doesn't get an arc where you feel like he grew and changed. Um, yeah. But I would I would say Donald Gleason has a pretty clear-cut arc. Like, I, it maybe it helped that I knew that he was based on the person who wrote this screenplay. Um, yeah. But I felt like the arc of him becoming a writer rather than a musician was fairly well played out in the movie. At least if yeah. you know that that's where he's headed in the end. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I feel like I feel like it's like the band was this pre-existing state. And then Donald Gleason's character enters as this catalyst that like starts a reaction that, that kind of changes everything. And then eventually he just removes himself from the equation. And sort of things like, I mean, the, we don't really see the eventual outcome but it seems like things the natural progression would be to reset to the the you know the equilibrium to what it was before he entered the picture um but i don't feel the film is really commenting on that at all like i, I don't think it's i don't know i i, I guess after after you realize that the film isn't i don't know may, maybe it's maybe for me it's just that donald gleason's uh his arc is to 
realize that he's doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. and that this dream is just never going to happen. And once he becomes the one who is kind of ruining things as opposed to the one who is like getting this awesome experience, it sort of feels like your arc is now less interesting. I get like, cause there's a point where he becomes sort of a parody of like, like, you know, like initially when he's tweeting and stuff, you're like, Oh, I get it. Like, like it, th- there's an interesting commentary on the, on who he is and who his personality is and, and what he's trying to do with these tweets and the way he's trying to feel from everything. But then later on, it becomes sort of this joke that he's yeah. doing it. And, it, and it's kind of like the, it loses the meaning and just becomes this, this funny thing for some reason. And I, I, I don't know, there's a progression through the film where, like, I'm totally on... Maybe maybe the problem for me was that I identified a lot with his character <laughs> at the beginning of the film. And then as the film progresses, he becomes more and more of a punchline and less of, like, the the thing that I latched onto at the beginning. I, I can definitely see that. And I, I would say that that is one of the movie's uh, flaws is... As I said, I thought uh, Michael Fassbender did a great job, but while Donald Gleason was good, his role was not especially deep. Um, yeah. So it, it did definitely have that feeling of a writer self-deprecatingly referring to himself in a story and making himself be the butt of the joke, <laughs> which which makes sense if you think of it as a look at how stupid I was, you know, let me emphasize that a little more. But in terms of a sympathetic character, it does kind of hurt hurt that a bit i I also should say that even though i think i probably liked the film a little more than you did i did when it ended i did kind of think what were they going for here like like what um like you said why did this film need to be told and i think over the week that followed when i would think back to it have a couple conversations um it grew on me a little more that it was painting it was painting interesting characters and exploring a few interesting themes and it it wasn't the most cohesive piece of cinema but the things that it brought up were were worth telling even if it could have been packaged in a way that would maybe be a little more palatable yeah there there could have been a uh, donald gleason's character could have produced a frank movie that would be more pleasing to a wider audience <laughs> than the one that yeah. we got. His, yes, his mainstream song or whatever. Yeah, there, th- yeah there, there's another thing about, like, the music in this film. Like, if you... this, I mean, this isn't a perfect film to compare it to, but if you look at, like, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's another film about, you know, band, like, in that, there's literally Battle of the Bands. So, obviously, there's more times when you're seeing the bands um, perform, but, like... You get the sense that this is a real band. Like at the at, when the movie is done, there's the score and then there's the album of all the music that was played in the film. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it, you're watching a band and you're really getting into the music. Like I there's like two points in the film where they're actually doing like a legitimate song-ish. Like there's at the end of the film where they're like they're they're playing like the song. Mm-hmm. And then earlier on in the film, there's sort of a jam session where it's like they are playing something together until they stop, until they cut. But there's not really... You don't really ever see the band perform. And that... Like, I I, I enjoyed the the one song from the film. And I, I like their, their style of music. But there isn't anything for me to pull out of the film of them being a real band it's like they're convincing me that there's there's they're this quirky band because they like to play with like theremins and like weird tweaked keyboards and stuff like that but you're there's no like i don't know i wanted some more tracks of this band actually playing so that i can get a sense of them being an actual band and that's partly why i why i felt like it leaves the question of are they actually good is frank actually a genius very open-ended because they they show his creative process and his demanding process and kind of the mythos that develops around that of how everything has to be perfect and you have to feel it and he gives such demanding uh, advice. But then they do give you very few instances of actually hearing the finished product. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think you do start to wonder kind of intentionally, are is this actually worth it? Like, are, are they actually creating something amazing after this or... 
Or would this album have even been noticed if it weren't just for the story that developed around it of how crazy it was and how demanding the uh, the creator was? So I, I do actually think I, w- I would have liked to hear more music too because the the final song was very nice. <laughs> it, it's actually very <laughs> Daniel Johnston-y. Like if you looked into that yeah. actual guy, it's it's the kind of music that he would make probably. Um, yeah, like there's more songs in the during the credits than there are in the entire film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. They don't uh, they don't play into that, and I'm not I'm not sure if the reason they do that is because they they prefer to keep it mysterious what the band actually sounds like, or if it's because they uh, they think if they showed you too much music, then if you like it they will be feeding into your belief that they're really, really good and they're trying to not... They're, tr- they're trying to not editorialize it too much. Um, well, like, they... they So, uh, I, I want to know what Carson thinks about the music in a second, but just my last comment is that in, in, the, in the middle of the film, there's a scene where Fassbender, as Frank, you know, he, he com- in, like, on the fly composes a song about a little thread that's sticking out of, like, the top of this chair or a blanket on the chair or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the credits... There's a fully produced version of that song. Yeah. <laughs> like so. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand why. Like, you know, in the moment he's just playing acoustic guitar and supposedly on the fly, like writing the song. But like, then they took the time to actually, like, in a studio, record a fully produced version of it, which doesn't. Like, I just, I don't. It makes me wonder if they had plans it. to show more of the music, and then some guy, like, some test audience, were like, "Yeah, I didn't get it. It was weird." <laughs> so, they t- <laughs> so they took it out. <laughs> Because the the last song, whether or not you liked it, it's like very, it conveys a lot about Frank and the type of creative process he has. And that like, I, I think like sincerity is the only way to describe it. It's very much about like the emotions being real. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm not sure that a full soundtrack of the band would get that across to an audience or not. Yeah. I mean, I think that... Uh... I'm I'm in the the camp that the they purposely didn't show you much of the music because they wanted to keep a mysterious angle to it as to whether or not you know it was actually good, and maybe by having some of these fully produced songs in the credits, uh, you know, it's up to you to say whether or not it's good. I I mean, I think it's definitely entertaining. I I don't know if you if it you could actually say like yeah i'm going to you know listen to this on a regular basis i don't know it's in that weird sort of genre of music where i don't know it's not ex- it's not exactly easy listening you know <laughs> yeah um but i do think it's intentional that the reason you only hear like bits and pieces of the songs they're recording is that you know we were trying to get a glimpse into this you know, supposed genius of Frank and is he really a genius or is he really full of shit? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I think a part of that is there's a, at this point, we're not really giving anything away. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think too many people are going to watch this movie and then be like, ah, damn, I had no idea they were going to play a song at the end. Um, <laughs> so, so I can just say, I think, um, the third act of this film, um, kind of plays off this idea of whether Donald Gleason is going to improve or ruin the band by bringing his influence and trying to bring them to a wider audience. And I I think that that sort of toss-up question, if you had heard music before that kind of definitively told you, yeah, they were pretty good, like, I liked them at least, if you had heard that before, then it would be much less of a toss-up when you're actually watching them like like whether it plays out whether a wider audience will like them or not um yeah like the the mystery made it so i honestly even though i could kind of see some of the themes that were coming in i would have fully believed either them going up and playing their music and it bombing or the audience loving them or them playing donald gleason stuff and it bombing or the audience loving them uh like at, at that point in the film i didn't know which direction it could go and a part of that is I had not heard enough of his poppy crap, <laughs> and I also hadn't <laughs> heard enough of the actual band to know, like, how outsider really are they? Um, 
So I think it's kind of a weak justification for what could have been like a cool look into all these songs that they made for the movie. <laughs> but yeah. it did at least keep the keep the mystery alive as long as it needed to to serve the story. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, because I think that, you know, the whole... The music itself isn't as important because I think they're focusing more on the people making the music. And I think that that's, you know, that, that they're they're wanting to focus more on that than whether or not you know, the music is good, I guess. I think it's like the, uh, like the audience is the music, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's so weird because, like, I totally watched this movie through, like, a, a ridiculously different lens than I think you guys did because, like, the, you know, both of you have kind of keyed into the, the ambiguousness, ambiguosity. Uh, ambiguity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ambiguity. <laughs> <laughs> You'll edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm gonna leave it in there because um, I make up words all the time. Um, but like, there, so when I was watching the film, I I wasn't looking for ambiguity in the artists and and how good they were. I kind of view I don't know I I I really like Frank's head, and here here's why because you know I I have a weird association with music. Like even the bands that I really love there's this sense that like there aren't people behind that band like i i've i've been to you know i used to go to a lot of concerts all the time and they're always at like you know pretty small locations and you know you know when the band finished their set they would be like yeah we're gonna go grab a drink at this bar right here come by and say hi and i never felt the desire to go over and talk to them um because there was no they're not I don't want to say they're not people because that sounds like I'm saying it in a really negative way, but like there's a dis, there's like, I disassociate the artist with the music they produce. It's the same reason why generally, um, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to watch a Mel Gibson movie because of who Mel Gibson is. And I like strongly oppose seeing it for me. It's like, I don't care what Mel Gibson, the person is doing if I'm interested in the property that he is participating in that I'm about to see, right? So, like, I kind of feel that same way about music. So even the bands that I really love, like, I, if I'd met a band member, I wouldn't be like, oh, dude, yeah, yeah, I'd just be like, hey, that's cool. I really like your band. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't have anything to talk with them about because it, there's this disconnection. So I think that, you know, I'm, I, I extrapolate that out to be that, like, we don't really know who the real person is behind the music that we listen to. Like, so if you've ever watched any, like, VH1 behind the music or any sort of band documentary, you always find out a lot about the people that you wouldn't have expected or crazy things that have happened to them. Or you find out that like, yeah, this music is like this because of all these like terrible things that happened to them. And, you know, we don't, I I don't know. I think that the mask is sort of, or the head that he wears is sort of an extension of that to where like even his band members don't know what it is he's been through, is going through or what makes him, this supposed genius like they all like his own band members frank's own band members have the same view inward on him that we have being the audience to the performance Mm -hmm. there's there so they are sort of blindly following this supposed genius and they all really believe it and frank really believes it and uh you know donald gleason really believes it but nobody really knows who Frank is. Like, if, if and this isn't the story, so hopefully this isn't a, a reverse spoiler for anybody, but, like, if it turned out that Frank was actually several different people, and every time we saw Frank, it was somebody else wearing the head, like, his bandmates probably wouldn't know as long as the voice sounded the same, because nobody, like, his own bandmates have never seen underneath that head. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, this, I don't know, I kind of viewed it as... Yes, the sum total of the band is possibly like a really interesting, you know, genius quality band. Like what they are producing is amazing, but nobody really knows why. They're just following the person they think is the key to this genius. And the thing that's actually driving him may not be what everybody else is expecting. That, that'd be that, interesting if it was like a Dread Pirate Roberts type thing where the keyboardist always becomes Frank. <laughs> <laughs> no, like there, there could be something like that going on. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like, so I kind of viewed it as, 
as yes, the band was good, but even the members of the band don't know why. They just blindly follow Frank because they see him as the key to what makes them who they are. I, I can and, see that, and I, I also think they um they do not always make Frank be correct. Like some some of Frank's ideas when he's under stress, especially are played for laughs, right? Like his, uh, yeah. like yeah. when he's told to make his a crowd-pleasing song. song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, his likable song. Yeah. That's like my favorite moment of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I've written the most likable song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoilers, it's not very likable. No. <laughs> spoilers for the, the 22nd period in between him saying that and him playing the song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um... No, I, I can see that. I think the the mystery would work even if you believe that they were creating something objectively amazing. Yeah, but but I think sort of the the once we finally learn about who Frankie is, like that's that was what I keyed into by the end of the film, and which is why I could just completely jettison Donald Gleason's character from the entire film and still feel what I thought was the weight of what the story was really trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that because like both you guys had prior knowledge of like who was writing the story and who he was in the story that he was writing and I was just watching it completely blank and just trying to key in on my lens of how I listen to and see music and bands mm-hmm. so wait so you're saying that if it just focused on the band and how they think they're possibly really good but not is that what you're saying? Well, what, what I'm saying is that because of the way I view the film and what I took to be the really significant stuff we know by the end, Donald Gleason's character is completely unimportant to the story. Mm. He, he is the literally... He, like, if we, if we uh, convert this to horror movie logic, yeah. like, something terrible has to happen to a lot of people and somebody has to escape to tell the story. Like, that's how we right. get that story. So yeah. I feel that, like... Donald Gleason is really only his character is only there to be the person who writes the article that the film is based off of. Right. And that he doesn't he affects this period of time for the band, um, but he doesn't ultimately lead to anything important in the story other than to tell. Yeah. So so it definitely is the lens that you watch it through, because I can definitely see if. If he's meant to just be a window into the band, like the audience's entry point, then yeah. they did not need to emphasize his life or his mistakes in the way that they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I guess I, yeah, I, I did not come into it with that view. I kind of always saw it as the story of him and Frank and what Frank yeah. represents to him and kind of the uh, the rise and fall of that mythology. Yeah, because it's weird if you read the uh, the article that that the actual guy wrote, um, like how he joined the band is almost exactly how it is in the movie. It's <laughs> just like the guy was like, "Yeah, can you play uh, A, C, and D or whatever?" You know, the, like the chords. Yeah. He's like, "Yep, all right." Um, yeah, it, it was kind of funny how I mean it didn't exactly play out the way that it did in the movie, but almost word for word, like some of the lines and stuff. So that was sort of interesting. I will say that that moment too, where he like shows up and like walks on stage at the beginning of the film, and is sort of just like, and then like starts singing along, and it's like, if you were in a band and you were like trying to be big and you were playing in a room with like twelve people in it in this bar where nobody was paying attention, you would sort of be like, this is not lame. But for like Donald Gleason's character, it was like his like happiest moment of his yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hell yeah. I'm on stage and like I don't know that I also gotta say uh, Donnie he can grow a mean beard I was impressed <laughs> <laughs> yes he can <laughs> All right. I also I also thought it was really funny going back to like whenever he tweets or writes something on Tumblr or posts something on YouTube and they flash up like the um, like what he's writing on screen like the on screen text I thought it was really funny how and it also just goes into the joke of like they would show his followers and it would be something like disastrously low. <laughs> it could be like 14 followers on tw- Twitter. <laughs> and he's talking about like he's he's tweeting like he has, you know, a million followers or something. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it, that's he, that was funny to me. Uh, he, he's he's like a a Twitter hipster, right? It's it's cooler to have only fourteen followers. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fourteen is the new fourteen thousand. <laughs> right. Totally. And I also thought like the 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 score in the movie, um, kind of going back to what we were talking about last week in the one I love about how it had a sort of uh, I don't know what a menacing tone, like a uh, a menacing sort of score, but also like very light, like a, like I felt a like this empty mo- circus at night where you might get right, like right. some <laughs> like a twisted fairy tale or something. Um, I felt like. Frank had this a similar score. I'm, I'm uh, imagining like the every horror movie when like they turn the power on to an empty circus and like everything's like exactly. <laughs> it all whirs the life. Uh, uh, but yeah, I thought Frank talk. had a had a similar score. Um, a lot of creepy chimes and stuff, but also sort of childlike. Uh, it was good. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if anyone else picked up on that or thought I, that. I did not. I, I I can't say I picked up on it too much. I I thought the tone was well done, and I imagine the yeah. score was a part of the tone that I got. It it, it helped. Yeah, it helped mold the yeah, tone. I I didn't really zero in on the score in particular. Yeah, I didn't either, but I definitely had that feeling of unease through like <laughs> the last two thirds. Yeah. So it might have also been a few events in the movie that let you realize that. Uh, <laughs> bad things can happen that yeah <laughs> yes that's very true i mean they were in a cabin in the woods i mean come on <laughs> yeah like lambs to the slaughter <laughs> exactly all right well does anybody have any final thoughts about this movie mm, only uh, only no. to go with the rating i guess <laughs> all right yeah, well, yeah uh, i guess so let's get into the verdict then carson if you're going to give us a must see a recommend with a caveat a wait for rental a pass to the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it um, I would definitely give it a must see. I think it uh, it's one of my favorites of the year, and um, I think like Stephen mentioned, Devil and Daniel Johnson also a really good documentary that you should check out about a similar person. Yeah, I've heard, so I've heard a lot go. of good things about that documentary, and uh, Stephen is not the first person to suggest I see it, having seen Frank. So <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap between him in this movie uh, what is your rating steven i am going to so it depends i think depending on who you are <laughs> you could find this a must see or a like if not must avoid at least a like sleeper <laughs> um because i know <laughs> i know that not everyone is going to love it i'm positive about that and even when it ended i wasn't enthralled like it didn't bring me to my feet cheering um i think it's interesting and well done, and kind of like the band itself commits very much to its vision and its weirdness, and it doesn't lose sight of that. Uh, but I've got to say, I'd recommend with a caveat. The caveat being, <laughs> I can imagine the quirkiness growing tiresome to people, and people who want a um, a sympathetic window to latch onto in this film, I don't think you'll find a consistent one. Uh, like you, you can see this as a story of multiple people and what they represent and what they learn about creativity but i don't think you are going to find a single character who is completely empathetic (laughs) the only one you do happens to wear a big mask and is also a little crazy (laughs) so um, (laughs) that, that could turn off people but a strong recommend with a caveat because i think if you like it you will like it quite a bit and i'll echo carson who echoed me and say that Devil and Daniel Johnston is a good documentary. And the, his music in general, if you like this, you will probably like some of his songs too. Does that documentary have an album you can buy? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if the documentary came with music, but it, I mean, he's got to be all over Spotify. I'm sure you'll find him. I yeah. Did, yeah, his stuff is on iTunes, like his he's, actual album. He's played with like real bands too. He has a pretty big following. Yeah. Okay. So he's got more than 14 followers on yeah, Twitter. I, I mean, yeah, he's got definitely. Many, many famous <laughs> bands have had him open for them or contribute a track with them or things like that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Sweet. Um, I am going to give this, I'm going to give it a wait for rental um, for the same reasons that there's a caveat in Steven's um, recommendation. It's, 
It's definitely an interesting film. I think it's a film that gets better as you talk it over with people. <laughs> um, but if you see this alone, I, I like, if you were going to be the only person you know to see this movie, I would probably give it a pass with a caveat. <laughs> um, but if you can at least talk about it with somebody, um, then it gets, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> you can talk about it with yourself, you know. Or li- listen to the podcast. Become your own Frank. Yeah. Become your own Frank. <laughs> if you had had the spoiler warning, which we did not... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's worth a watch, but there's nothing inherently big screen about it, and um, it's it, it could leave you having wanted more from it. So I don't, I yeah, it's hard for me to endorse it super positively. Um, but it's not a badly made film. It's. I had, I had a fun time watching it. I had some good laughs, even though it was in the theater of, like, only 20 people in this really old, creepy theater that after we bought our tickets and we walked into the theater, there's only one theater and there were no lights on, so there's just a bunch of us standing in the doorway looking into pitch blackness going, uh, are we just supposed to go in there? What's going on? <laughs> Random side note. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a fun time. <laughs> but anyways, that's Frank. So we got, what is it, must-see, reckon with a caveat, and wait for rental? Mm-hmm. A nice slope downward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have gone first. That would have been a slope upwards. Huh. Steven chooses the score in between Carson and Chris. How uh, how unique. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Everybody can drink now. <laughs> that that hasn't happened before. Yeah, this is the first time. Uh, we need, like... We need to combine a drinking game with a bingo chart. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> instead of marking... The ones you get, you just drink that shot on the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you get bingo, you have to drink all of them. Uh, anyways, that's that's the episode. So uh, Carson, why don't you let everybody know when they can find where they can find you? Uh, well, I you can find me on uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com with all my uh, followers. <laughs> Steven. You can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Uh, you can follow us at twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning if you want to figure out when these episodes go live. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. Uh, You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will at least be the one song (laughs) that they actually sing in the Frank movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully you're enjoying that right now. (laughs) At least this movie didn't do like... uh... There was a movie from the 80s called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, and it was all about this like really terrible uh, teen punk band. And um, like they like the whole movie, they they said like, yeah, like they made you think like this band is awful. And it was like a satire of like how it influences, you know, younger girls and stuff. Right. But at the end, they do like what Frank did, where they play like one of their songs like fully in the credits and it was like supposed to be like all good and i was like well that's dumb (laughs) i was like you just like tried to convince me that they were you know i don't know i just i just thought of that because at the end it's like diane lane all um you know they like she's singing the song and it's like supposed to be all good at least with frank there was the mystery you know (laughs) like you could decide for yourself whether you whether or not you liked it and at the end you're like oh okay like I don't or I, yeah, I do or I don't like this. I don't know. Interesting. It would, it would be funny if over the course of like making this film, they all got really into the style of music that you know the band. I, I forget what the anybody remember what the band was called. It was like Schaferberber. Like it was like yeah. a bunch of just nonsense words. <laughs> it was the Flintstaffler. Yeah, it was the Flintstaffler. <laughs> Uh, it looked it looked like someone who didn't know German tried to spell yeah, German. Yeah, definitely. Like that's what it looked like. <laughs> and no one I think that was a joke in the film that no one could pronounce it correctly. Yeah, yeah. Alright. Well, thank you guys uh for joining me in this episode. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're welcome. And thank you guys all for listening. We'll see you next time. 
We love you all. We love you